Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, as he does every week at this time, one of our favorite contributors. You know, Nate, I've been trying to take some digs at you, but somehow I just can't get him out this year, so i got to be nice to you. Nate Zielinski. We're, we're both getting old. We're getting a little soft in our age. Just a part of it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I turned the heat up in the cabin before doing the show. It was great to sleep. It was cool last night. I told Karen I'm becoming a delicate flower. She said I'm becoming a wuss. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my opinion quiet because I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, the, the spring ran late, and you know, I, I I was joking with my guests on the boat the other day. I feel like I always miss the nice seasons. You know, we we walleye fish, you know, in March and April down here at night. And it's cold, and we're wearing ice armor. And then right when it starts to warm up on the front range. We move up to the mountains to target lake trout and pike, and we're back in ice armor. And we always tend to miss those seasons. And I was up uh, guiding some pike on Tuesday this week, and I tried to wear shorts. And I'll tell you what, it uh, the mornings right now are starting to dip into the low 30s up in South Park, 32, 33 degrees. And, you know, I didn't put on my first pair of shorts up in the mountains until, like, almost July. And uh, we're already having to put pants back on. So uh, I'm definitely getting soft to my age and there is definitely fall in the air that's for sure no there really is well you know one thing that is happening with these changing temperatures those bait fish are moving away from the shore it's got to be changing the bite geez louise terry i'll tell you what you know i uh i did almost you know a, a solid year and a half at chatfield without seeing a lot of bait you know it's almost one of those things that you know, it was too good to be true. The fishing in the last 18 months at Chatfield has been insane. And I'll tell you what, the Shad had a banner year at both Chatfield and Cherry Creek. I, I talked to a lot of anglers like, oh, the Shad are, you know, out of control at Cherry Creek, but Chatfield's not as bad. I tell you, if you go out and look around at Chatfield, obviously we have a, a, a lot of water to cover. Uh, but when you start looking around, the shad are absolutely everywhere. They're up in the trees. They're off the trees. They're out in the main lake. Uh, so we had a banner shad hatch at Chatfield and Cherry Creek. Um, and we knew it was coming. I think we're very fortunate that we lasted until about the last week uh, before seeing the effects of that bait fish. Uh, but we have definitely now seen the effects of that bait fish. So we want to do a quick an update on how anglers adapt to this, how they overcome it, how they continue to have success. And then I think we need to talk about hunting stuff. But uh, right now, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Pueblo, Bar Lake, all of these fisheries, uh, I don't want to say they're overwhelmed with, with shad, but there is a lot of shad at these fisheries. And the traditional bait bites, bottom bouncers, all the jigs of bait, those type techniques are, are definitely coming to a, a very slower hope of what they have been in the previous month. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Those, you know, we talked about, I can remember all the years I was within fishermen and we talked about structure and identifying where the fish move and where they hold. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to what are they eating because they have to eat to survive. They're, they're, more, they're more likely to be caught while they're eating and you really need to pay attention to the bait. 
That's it, Terry. The, the bait kind of controls everything. So two concepts here. We're going to talk about two things with that. Um, we have two techniques that are working. Um, if you are a hands-on angler, right, like you still want to cast, you like the jig, even if you're that live bait angler, there are still ways to be very active with the rod, but the goals of that is reactionary fishing and fishing shallower water. So number one, if you still want to go out there and jig, instead of throwing the paddle tail, instead of throwing the, the jig head with live bait, we're going to switch over to blade bait. Um, you can even get away with a jigging wrap as long as you work it fairly aggressively. But those concepts are only going to be true in fairly shallow water structure situations. So when you have been out there, you've been in, you know, 12 to 16 feet of water on structure, whether it's a roadbed or a hump or a shoreline, that now is too deep. All the bait is in the top, you know, call it six to eight feet of the water column. So you have to find structure that is in that six to eight foot or shallower. So if you still want to hold on structure, it's doable, but you have to find shallow structure. So at Cherry Creek, we're fishing the very top of that big sandbar in front of the tower. We're fishing around the sunken island over by the main marina. Um, there's a little sunken island kind of over in the corner, uh, call it the southwest corner of the body of water, uh, or all the very extremely shallow water points on the no wake side on the south side of the reservoir. But you have to find structure that is five, six, seven feet of water. And you can throw those blade baits, jigging wraps, um, and, and create a, a good reaction bite and catch some fish. Same thing at Chatfield. You can fish shallow structure, very shallow structure, and catch some fish on reaction baits. But if you truly want to go out and have the best possible day of catching fish with the most fish and the biggest fish the way of the crankbait is here terry um i know a lot of anglers don't like trolling so if you don't like trolling you can cast these baits but if you want to have the best day fishing possible you're going to fish small high action crankbait so we're looking at size fours and fives flicker shads jointed flicker shads you're looking at hot and tot you're looking at normal Norman middle ends. You're looking at the entire wave of uh, lipless crankbait. So whether you're a traditional rattle trap guy by Bill Lewis Lures, you're throwing, you know, all the variations of the Berkeley bait. Um, no matter what the case may be, those lipless crankbaits are doing well. So you're taking small, you know, two-inch crankbaits. Um, you're fishing them fairly fast, you know, one and a half to two and a half miles an hour. I should say 1.8, 1.9 to two and a half miles an hour. And you you can cast these baits or you can troll these baits. We're doing best casting, or excuse me, trolling these baits because it allows us to cover more water and put the bait right in the strike zone. So when we get out there, we're trying to get a good evaluation of where the shad are. So are the shad right on the surface? Are they three feet down, four feet down? And we're trying to put our baits just below the shad but above the walleyes. And we're trolling those baits right in that zone. A lot of times we're throwing a planer board on, but due to the busy reservoirs, we're not putting them out very far. So we're letting our lines out, you know, 10, 15, 20 feet behind the planer board, attaching the planer board, and just putting it out 10, 15 feet to the side of the boat just to get away from the prop, just to get away from the boat noise. Uh, and I'll tell you, we're having some great success on walleyes right now. And as a byproduct, Everything is up feeding on those shads. So we're catching bass. We're catching, you know, so I should say, at Cherry Creek, we're catching largemouth doing that mixed with the walleyes. We're catching wipers mixed with the walleyes. At Chatfield, we're catching trout. We're catching smallmouth. So everything is mixed in there while targeting those walleyes with that approach. And, and that's the best way to catch numbers and big fish right now on these bodies of water.
Well, and as we approach fall, those shatter are going to group up more and more. And eventually, hopefully we'll see in the late fall where we get into a true, where it is a spooning or a blade bait bite that begins to dominate again and those fish get, get stressed. But right now, the fish are just going to fall. You mentioned it. Every species in that lake is just going to follow those bait fish because the young of the year bait fish right now are just the ideal size to feed on, and they're munching. And if you try to distract them from that, you better have a good presentation and get a reaction because they're not going to chase a long way. They're they're not. There's so much food, and, uh, again, you have to cater the fish. You cannot be that angler that's going to anticipate these fish coming a long ways for you. You have to cater them. We even yesterday, I uh, I was actually guiding a, a big jumbo yellow perch bite at Chatfield. Uh, the panfish at Chatfield have exploded. We're getting big bluegills. We're getting big giant perch. Uh, and we're getting perch that are, you know, upwards of 12 inches. We saw one fish that was 12 and a half yesterday. So giant perch. But just to emphasize how important the bait fish is, we even saw jumbo perch that were sliding off the bottom, grabbing shad and going back down so uh like when you said it everything in the in the lake is up there activating on those shad so uh again you can try uh try the shallow water jigging and, and you know there's a good possibility it'll work but if not you know again abandon the bait it's one of those things that we all hold on to it as long as possible because it's fun it's easy but when you go out there if you're not having success tie on the crankbaits, learn that technique, build confidence with that technique. It's going to help you catch more fish at the end of the day. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Let's, well, we got some time left. Let's switch things up. <clears throat> Hunting season, Nate, is, it's going to be it's just a couple weeks away. I mean, it is. Pronghorn archery starts in the next couple days, literally by the next show. Um, but the big thing, I, I talked to so many, you know, hunters, and, and everything's creeping up on us, right? We had an extremely late spring. Everybody's busy, and kids are going back to school. But this is the true tale. If you don't believe me that it's time to start thinking about hunting, on Tuesday of this week, I heard my first elk bugle of the season. So you can pretend that nothing's happening. It's only August 12th. By no means is there even a hint uh, of an elk, you know, breeding season going on. But regardless, I heard a bull elk put his uh, put his face up in the air uh, and let out a little squeak. So it is time. Uh, I've been kind of watching the elk. We are seeing the first signs of those elk lose their velvet. Typically, within the next seven to nine days, all the velvet will come off. Uh, but we're already seeing bulls that have reached that kind of peak of growth. Uh, they're starting to see the testosterone flow. Uh, everything is kind of getting there, and we're starting to see those bull, or the bulls uh, starting to rub off. So it is flat-out time. So with that being said, now is the time to scout. We always talk about that right now why the bulls are still grouped together, um, why they're out spending a lot of time during the day before they've migrated and moved to look for cows or cows have migrated on. Get the pattern. Start learning because everything slowly starts to change. Everybody says, why do I scout uh, if things are going to change? Because everything is valuable. You want to know the numbers, where they're acting, where they're around. Um, everything is beneficial to learn behaviors. So as things start to move a little bit, you can keep up with it rather than going in and having to learn everything. So we are spending time out there learning behaviors, watching, watching where they go, watching where the bulls are starting to pay 
attention to cows, watching behavior of these bulls as things slowly change as you start to approach a rut period. So whether you have an archery tag or a muzzleloader tag, you're watching these animals to learn the slight behavioral traits to know how you're going to hunt these animals. We talk about this all the time. So many hunters have a style. You know, they know that right now they're set in stone. They're going to go call to these animals. They're going to sit on a water hole. But in reality, if you truly want to be more successful every single year in the field, you have to adapt to the flaws of the animals. Let these animals tell you how they're going to hunt them. So I'm watching them now. I'm watching individual animals, and I'll start to notice little behavioral traits that they do that I know will lend me the upper hand when pursuing these animals to create that successful harvest. So I'm watching all of that stuff now, and I encourage everybody, now is the time. Uh, Again, get out there, learn the patterns, learn everything about these animals. It's only going to make your hunt easier uh, as we come forth in that hunting season. So again, everything is happening right now. We're starting to see those changes. Uh, It is time to get out there and pay attention to them. Again, the elk is the biggest thing showing those signs of change. The deer are going to be in pretty much their normal patterns right now all the way up until somewhere between that September 8th and 12th is when we're going to see them rub off of their velvet and you're going to see drastic changes in their patterns. But right now, I would say with the elk over the next, again, seven to nine days as we see them kind of you know, perform their change uh, as they approach the fall breeding season. And the last thing I want to touch base on the hunting of all the big game, we had a very cool summer except for a short hot spell there, lots of water. So we've got lots of undergrowth, both shrubs and grass, and we've got water everywhere. Is that going to affect the location of these animals or will they end up being back in their typical fall locations? I think you're going to find them in the same location, but like we've mentioned in the last couple shows, I think you're going to see drastically less migration. They don't have to go as far for food. They don't have to go as far for water. They're even finding, you know, larger bedding areas. I'm seeing these animals bed down in areas they normally couldn't. I'm seeing deer bed down just on hillsides because there's so much undergrowth uh, that they're able to find kind of that that safety and sanctuary in in off-normal places. So uh, I think, again, I think the locations are going to be fine but i think you're going to see less migration obviously the less time that they're out moving around uh means the less opportunity for you to to make your approach so i think that's the biggest thing that we're going to see and what i've been seeing so far uh is different migrations on a daily process uh as they just don't have to travel as far for food last quick question i'm going to switch you back is that pike bite still on up in the mountains I'll tell you what, Terry, I had uh, on Tuesday, uh, I had uh, an absolutely amazing day. I had six fish in the net over 37 inches. Uh, Our biggest fish topped out just shy of 43 inches. So every one of those six fish was 33, uh, excuse me, 37 to 43 inches. Uh, Josh Sedevy had two 40s four or five fish in the upper 30s that same day uh it is absolutely on so if you are a pike angler that the time is now our water temperatures dropped about three degrees uh on the surface as we kind of see these fall temperatures start to come in and the pike are absolutely going strong so we've also had a, a phenomenal kind of wide range of techniques we're catching them on top water we're catching them on jerk baits we're swimming plastics uh we caught them on some big cranks 
So, so there's a lot of opportunity uh, for techniques, but hands down, the pike bite is on. I would, uh, I would get out there and take advantage. These are huge fish, and they are definitely holding a lot of summer weight. They've been eating well all summer. Uh, the water are high. The metabolism is cranking. Uh, these fish are, are looking really good right now uh, at the state they're in uh, currently. All right. If people want more information, how do they find you? You can always find us at tightlineoutdoors.com, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, if you want more hunting information than that, you can always follow Nate Zielinski on Instagram. Uh, we don't necessarily always talk about that, but I do daily posts kind of uh, of everything that I do in life on my Instagram page. If you go to Instagram, it's just Nate Zielinski. You can follow that and follow everything that we're doing. We're spending a lot of time shooting, scouting, prepping. Uh, so, again, if you have Instagram, follow me there. Uh, we'll keep you updated on everything happening here in the state of Colorado. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Nate Zielinski, always a tremendous resource. Man, man lives and breathes the outdoors. He's such a resource for the show. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to talk to the guys at Jack's about getting ready for archery. I mean, boy, if you're not ahead of the game, you might find yourself uh, not being able to get ready in time. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.